Welcome to Highway Christian Community Sermon Downloads. For more sermons, please visit our website. We know you will be blessed as you listen. Take care and God bless. Well, good morning to all of those watching by way of the internet or if you're listening on radio this morning. Just want to extend our greetings and our love to you in the midst of this crazy storm. If we know Jesus is in the boat, it makes all the difference. I think if I wasn't saved right now, the first thing I would want to do is get saved. Just to know the personal presence of Jesus by His Holy Spirit in our midst, in our minds, in our thoughts, brings such a calmness to what otherwise is just a crazy, crazy world trying to find a new normal that they talk about. But I know the gospel message is still the same as it got preached this time last year, this time 10 years ago, this time a hundred and even a thousand years ago. In God's economy, things have not changed and there's not a new normal that we've got to get to. We just got to find the kingdom normal. When we find the king's normal, we move into a world of no guilt, no fear, no separation. But we move into an experience of God with us. You know, those words ring out through the Old Testament. Whenever one of the great patriarchs said that, you knew that came through difficult times, through perseverance, through tribulation. But they could say, if God is with us, our God goes before us. And I want this to be true of you listening this morning, those of you watching. We are all caught up in this storm together. Maybe the size of our boats differ. Maybe the quality of some people's boats are different. But the storm itself is raging around every one of us. And I want to say it again. If I didn't know Jesus up to this point in my life, now would be a great time to get to know him. And I want to encourage you, even at home, that have access to WhatsApp, the phone, and speaking to your relatives and friends, this is a time not to be Bible bashing them, not to be talking about hell and the mark of the beast. It's a time to be talking about God's eternal purpose in Jesus Christ, which is good news. The very fact that it's called good news should give us some indication of what he was trying to do. It speaks about the good news of the gospel of the kingdom of God. You know, those words are synonymous, gospel and good news. And they're about something. They're not just a nebulous, hanging in the atmosphere phrase. It's about something. It's about God's kingdom, God's domain, God's rulership. And that was something that God intended right from the beginning. In Genesis chapter 1, where it says, In the beginning God created. You see, God had a creation blueprint for the heavens. But God also had a creation blueprint for this planet that you and I live on. The crowning jewel of the universe, the crowning jewel of the galaxy, planet Earth, has got a destiny, has got a purpose. And God's mind was that he would rule over the heavens and the earth 
as he did in the invisible, he would deal in the visible. Except the only difference now would be he'd be ruling through human beings. He gave them the authority in the garden when he said, let's make man in our image and delegate to him to have dominion and to rule over the planet. You see, God wanted to invade our spirits with his spirit. He wanted to indwell this planet through his created partners, the citizens of this earth. You see, the earth always belongs to God, but the custodianship of it, the stewardship of it, he gave to man. And we have been given a biblical mandate that earth should reflect heaven. To put that another way, it's so that the visible world that we live in reflects the invisible nature and purposes of God Almighty. Man, this is such a privilege. This is something to give your life for. This is something worth surrendering and saying, I want to be part of a bigger picture. I want to be part of a bigger plan. This is worth living for. This is worth getting up every day and saying, I'm living for a higher purpose in life. So this morning, I just want to pray for you where you're sitting, and then I'm going to read a passage of scripture, and then let's see how far we get this morning. Lord Jesus, you said you would build your church, and the gates of hell would not stop it. And then you said to us that you would give us the keys of the kingdom, and the things that are not permitted in heaven, are not permitted on earth. And the things that are not permitted in heaven and are permitted in heaven aren't permitted on earth and are permitted on earth. So Lord, we just thank you that we are taking our rightful place as your citizens in right relationship with our Father God who's indwelt us by His Spirit to live the abundant life, to live the life of more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. To live the life that you intended that we should live without fear and guilt, without condemnation, and with a victim mentality, not a victim mentality. So this morning, Lord, we just want to come and open up our spirits and say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to read a portion of scripture from Matthew chapter 13. It's in the context of the parable of the sowing and reaping. Uh, and Jesus told this parable of the sower who went out and sowed the seed. And in verse 10 of chapter 13, it says that the disciples came to him and asked him, why do you speak to the people in parables? And he replied, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you. This passage continues about um, those who don't want to hear and those that don't want to see. And the fact that Jesus is speaking in parables is that they're not accountable for what they don't see and don't hear because their hearts were hard. But to his disciples, he explains this parable. And I don't want you to miss that phrase because of what follows. And the phrase is that first part of verse 11 the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you. 
So Jesus is not holding back on them. He's already said to them, don't be fearful, little flock. My father is pleased to give you the kingdom. In other words, Jesus is not just preaching about a kingdom. He's coming to demonstrate it. And now he's saying to his disciples, I need you to catch this. You've got to understand it. There are secrets about how this kingdom operates that I want you to know. And then he goes on and he begins to explain the parable. And verse 18, he says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. Verse 19. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it. If we were in church now, I'd ask you to repeat that phrase. Not understand. Those who do not understand this message of the kingdom, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the seed that is sown upon the path. I think this is one of the most crucial admonitions that Jesus gave to his disciples. It's a warning and a challenge all compressed into one. Those who do not understand this message. And my friend, I I, I don't want to confess that I have no knowledge on the kingdom, but I, I feel like I'm in grade one again. I feel like I'm starting all over again learning about something that God intended me for us from the beginning of creation. This is not a new thing Jesus sprung on us when he said the kingdom of God is at hand. This was the the message that came through the prophets. And it was the message that John the Baptist preached. The kingdom of God is coming. That's why John the Baptist, in a sense, was the greatest of all the prophets. Was because he was about to present the king. And the king himself comes. And he says, my kingdom is at hand. Do we understand what he was talking about? Because from this passage we just read, we need to have knowledge. That means we've got to know something. And that doesn't come by osmosis. We don't download a a heavenly chip and then wake up in the morning and we know everything about the kingdom. To gain knowledge about the kingdom means we have to apply ourselves to learning. Yes, that's right. That difficult word that we heard growing up at school and at varsity, we've got to be teachable. We've got to position ourselves as students again and say, I need knowledge about how this kingdom operates. And that's what we've been trying to look at over the last couple of weeks when we talk about the keys. Because the keys of the kingdom are exactly that. They're something that give us access. They're something that give us uh, privilege to enter. It's something that gives us a sense of, of, of belonging, of, of ownership. The keys of the kingdom have to be understood. So I, I want you just to pause a moment. Because I can preach on, and you could be making a cup of tea right now. I could preach on, and you know, you could be getting dressed for the day ahead, and I'm just a voice in the background. So listen up. If you don't hear anything else, I want you to hear this. Jesus said there's a knowledge about the kingdom of heaven. And then later on he says, 
because of those who never understood it. The seed that gets preached, that gets planted, that gets sowed into your life is easily snatched away. And my friend, don't feel all guilty about that because that's true of all of us. We all come through different levels. It's like an ever-increasing spiral of understanding. Every time we get to a new level, we see things from a new vantage point. That's why I said to you, I feel a little bit like a learner all over again. We start in our journey looking at the church that Jesus is building, the ecclesia, from which he demonstrates his authority reign in his kingdom, to where he spoke about giving the keys. And as we've been studying the subject and examining scripture against scripture, it makes us feel again like we're coming alive because there's something fresh to engage with. There's something new to master. And it's this knowledge. Stop, pause for a moment. Ask yourself brutally, honestly, what is your current level of knowledge about God's kingdom? What is your current level of understanding about how that kingdom operates? Because you see, we can carry on with church as usual. Get up in the morning, put our Sunday best on, you know, get through all the noise of the, the morning's activities, get into the service, be wired by great worship and visions of angels, endure 30 minutes of some guy up there shouting into a microphone, get home with a sense of, you know, bedanet, my part of my Christian life this morning. And I, I encourage people to get a church. I encourage people to be in the environment of worship. I encourage people to sit under the ministry of the word. But if we just do that week after week, month after month, year after year, and do not acquire a knowledge of how the kingdom operates and have an understanding of it, my friend Jesus said, the devil will come and steal what has been sown. It's like, you might be familiar with the old phrase, clubbing fish in a barrel. You know, it's a fisherman phrase. It's like when something is so easy, it's like having a whole lot of fish in a barrel and you come there to the club and you just, you know, I caught six fish. That's how easy prey we become for the enemy to come and steal that which was sown. This is the seed that falls on the path. So, backing up to what we started a few weeks ago. I'm not going to apologize for repetition because some learning comes through knowledge being laid down precept upon precept. But at some point, knowledge becomes understanding. You can have knowledge about a car, how it goes, what you should do to get your license. But there's something about getting beyond the driver's seat and driving a bit to where knowledge becomes understanding and then understanding can be applied. Those are the three levels of learning. And the application of kingdom principles is going to transform our life from an everyday nominal Christian experience to what God intended for us. I think there's just so many Christians out there that are just fed up with ordinary, powerless, uh, vanilla-flavored Christianity. There are so many out there saying, 
Man, when I got saved, I knew there was more. And I still believe there's more. Well, let me propose this to you. That the kingdom of God has the deep answers to all of our needs and lack. I I remember hearing some many years back. uh, In fact, I think it was Rob Rufus that taught on this topic that when a person feels a physical need for something, it's an indication that there's something out in the universe that can satisfy. For example, hunger. The fact that we experience hunger is an indication that there's food. The fact that we experience thirst is an indication that there's something we can drink. And then at an emotional level, the need for love and companionship, the very need itself, is a mirror that there is a, uh, an answer, a, a substance to fulfill it. The need for love and procreation and, and affection and all those things would fall into that category. But there's another category that goes one step higher. And that's the category of the spirit of man. Even though spiritually we got cut off from relationship with God through the fallenness of man, there's still this deep yearning that all civilizations, all people groups have always had that goes to the, to the questions of why am I here? What is the purpose of this life? Is it just all meaningless? What's the an original uh, intent? The questions of life that go around do I have a specific purpose? Am I just a blip in eternity? Something that got spat out of the, the uh, cosmic sludge? Or is there a design and a direct meaning? These are the questions that have been going around through all the civilizations of this planet. And the way we know there's something out there to meet up as an answer is because we have that question. That longing. But the problem is, man is folded with all the wrong stuff. That's where religion has come from. Religion is simply man's attempt to reconnect with his source, with his creator, with his true intent and purpose. That deep yearning can never be satisfied with religious activity. But people will go from generation to generation trying to reach out and find God, only to discover that God cannot be found. God has to reveal himself. And that's exactly the message of the kingdom. To understand this message of the kingdom of God starts at the place of understanding that God created heaven and earth. And the earth was created as an expression of his rulership through mankind in right relationship as sons and daughters. Not as slaves and servants, but as sons and daughters. And while we're running off into religion trying to find God, we're missing the fact that God has revealed himself so that we can walk as sons and daughters. I get a bit ahead of myself, but you can see there's some excitement brewing over here. Because I believe when you get understanding and knowledge on this subject, your life and the lives around you 
are going to radically change. And I want to be careful not to run through this too quickly. That is my tendency. That is my nature. But I want to make sure that each step of this journey that we take over the next couple of weeks, you track with me. We track together. I invite you and encourage you to go to the scriptures and to study them for yourself. We have to start in the beginning. We have to start at Genesis, where God created the heavens and the earth. And then he created man, and he created him in his image. Unlike all the animals and the beasts of the field, man was created to embody the spirit of God, to be God's ambassador, establishing God's rule on this planet. All that God required is that man would trust him emphatically. That man would have complete and total trust when God said, this you can eat and this you can't eat. And we're not going to go into all that was uh, compacted into that command and disobedience, but just to say that it was based on a trust relationship. And because of the high treason of man, falling from God's presence, uh, relinquishing that dominion and nature subduing authority that God had delegated to. Because of man's uh, treason, he received the punishment of his own doing, which was to die. The spirit that sins against God will die. That doesn't mean he died physically. We see that he did it. He continues to live, but something did die. He was taken out of an environment, an Edenic expression of God's heavenly reign on earth and left to fend for himself amongst wild beasts and plowing amongst thorns and thistles. The very planet man was supposed to subdue became his master. Man was supposed to master the creation by taking Eden as a worshipping, God-fearing, God-loving son and daughter walking in communion and spread that rule over the planet by families and families going beyond the garden. Instead, because of their spiritual death, they were cut off from that Edenic experience of walking in God's presence, hearing their father's voice. And they had to hide themselves. And they were separated from the garden and it took the whole redemption plan all the way to Jesus Christ. The announcement that the kingdom of God has come. God did not just write the Edenic story off as the end. He didn't just take his pen and rub through the story. No, he put into motion through the promise given to Eve that her offspring would dominate once again over the principality and power of Satan. And that prophetic promise gets unpacked through redemption history, through the story of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the patriarchs, Egypt, Moses, Joshua, the kings, the judges, the separation of the kingdoms, Judah in the south, Israel in the north, Judah's captivity in Babylon, Israel's captivity by the Syrians, 
in the south, the Persian emperor, the Persian emperor comes in and, and gives Ezra and Nehemiah freedom to go back to their land. The temple is rebuilt. The walls are built. The prophets come and begin announcing again, the kingdom of God is coming. This wasn't a message God was going to just simply write off. No, redemption history got painted in the very corridors of the old covenant. And through the covenant of the Old Testament, the promise of the seed of Abraham would come. To which the law and the prophets pointed. And Jesus himself said about John, he's the greatest of these prophets. But the law of the prophets ended at John. And now the kingdom is being preached. And he said, you, that's you listening this morning, and me, that's me here, are greater than John the Baptist, who is the greatest of the Old Testament prophets. And why are we greater? Because not only like John do we announce that the king is here and present the king, but we have the Holy Spirit of the King now living inside of us. We have been restored to that pre-fall condition of when man went into rebellion, when man went into treason, when man relinquished his authority in the garden. We now have a, the Spirit, the Spirit of God indwelling us by Jesus' promise. Wow! That is the good news, my friend. That is what this kingdom is all about. And it was this message that Jesus came and said, if you do not know it, if you do not understand it, then every sermon you ever hear, every book on Christianity you ever read will be seeds lying on a tar road going to waste. I didn't say that. And get upset and send me emails now. Please don't resign. Go read what Jesus said. There's a knowledge and an understanding that we can have from the scripture. And to know that religion is man's way to try and restore that is our first step of recognizing the error of trying to substitute this God longing with man-made steps to prove ourselves to God. That is the first thing. You see, God didn't create us because there was a big longing in Him and you're so sad and empty and He needed a family. No, God is love. That's all it says is God is love. And because God is love, He wanted to have more expression of that love. I always think of my own kids when they're born. You know, we had that first child and I thought, that's it. I've got no more love to give anybody ever again. All my love goes to this child. Then I had another child. And then I found out I had the same amount of love for this child. So how can I have one perfect love for two different humans? And I'm imperfect, as some of my close friends know. But God is perfect. And God is love. And he just wanted to express that love to millions and billions of sons and daughters. And that's why he created this beautiful planet. Not so that we could spend our lives wishing we could leave here and be in heaven. Because that's not the promise of the kingdom. The promise of the kingdom is we will reign on this earth. 
the promise of Jesus is that when he returns to set up his kingdom in the new Jerusalem, we will rule and reign with him continually on this planet. You see, God created this world because he wanted to express his love, and that love is expressed for you right where you are now. There's a storm going around us. It's so easy to get distracted. We can take our focus completely off Jesus at this time because we tune into the media and we just pummeled and inundated with negativity and, and theories and conspiracies. My friend, this morning, I urge you, let the word of Christ focus you once again. It's the only lasting, enduring anchor for your soul is the word of Christ. And I'm preaching here this morning to you and to myself because we need to grow in our understanding and our knowledge of how this kingdom operates. So in, come along, enjoy this journey with us for the next couple of weeks. Let me pray for you as we conclude this time. Lord Jesus, you said that if we seek first the kingdom of God, you will add all things unto us. And Jesus, you were specifically referring to clothes on our body and food for our stomachs. If we attend ourselves to what is important to you, you promised you would attend yourself to what we need. So we just come this morning and say, Lord, I want to grow in my knowledge and my understanding of what your kingdom on earth is and how it operates, that I may see fruitfulness 30, 60, 100 times what has been sown. In Jesus' name, I'll ask this. Amen.